Hey, welcome back to another episode of Film Streak. My name is Rob, and here what we do is we watch movies, right? I watch a new movie roughly every week at this point. If you listen to a previous episode, you understand why. It used to be I was watching a new movie every day, but also it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to do. So instead, I'm trying to do something every week. Now, at least one movie I can talk about every week. And that's actually working out okay. You know, the idea is that I'm watching something that's new to me, something that I've never seen before, whether it's a new release, it's something that's just come out. Maybe it's something that uh, I've just been putting off watching for a long time. Um, maybe it's even something that was just recommended or somebody mentioned, and I just put it on my list and I said, okay, well, one day I'll get around to watching it. Well, these are those days. This is me coming around to finally watching stuff, trying to get that watch list down, you know? It always seems to grow. I'm trying to get it to go back down. So that's what Film Strig is all about. We're all about watching something new here, just seeing what's out there, maybe seeing some stuff we wouldn't expect or normally kind of go towards, and um, we'll see what happens. So in order to do that, in order to get to where Film Strig is going now, we've got to do a little bit of catch up. And we're going to really look at some movies that have just come out this year, in 2022. I've uh, been focusing a lot on previous years and maybe some older, much older films. But I just needed to catch up with what's going on today. So, let's get into, uh, let's get into this, this episode. I was going to say this week. No, no. I did not watch all these films in one week. What I did do is I watched these over the last few months. And... This is where I'm at now. So now we're picking up Film Streak, where we left off. 123, this is Ambulance by Michael Bay. And uh, I feel like going into this film, you're already going to have your own opinion. One, because it's Michael Bay. Two, because it's an action film. And maybe even you like some of the cast in it. I, I Personally, I like everybody that's in this movie. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yahya Abdul-Mateen, Isaac Gonzalez, Garrett Dillahunt. There's so many great casts, so much talent on screen here. It all works. The problem is there's something about, I don't know, Michael Bay's sensibility, his sense of humor or his sense of tone. It's just, it never really seems to work. You know what? Actually, the only other movie that I can think of that really kind of seemed restrained in those ways was uh, 13 hours where it played it pretty straight. There was a little bit of humor, a little bit of uh, a little bit of sideways kind of style to it, but it was pretty straightforward in terms of a, a thriller and action movie. This ambulance is just, man, it's a great premise. This is a great premise. It's just a two hour car chase with an ambulance, with bank robbers, with the police, with the entire city behind it, with the feds behind them. This is just, this is such a simple premise that it should work. And there are parts of this film that do work in terms of the action and some of the, the mechanisms of the plot and what their scheme is, how they plan to do this robbery and how they plan to get away with it. All of that seems like it should work. I mean, it, the math is there. The problem, I think, is in the execution and just 
like I said, there there's some stuff in here that just isn't necessary. And it's just kind of injected like this kind of silly, almost adolescent humor that it doesn't fit. And I just, there's a point where I'm just not sure which, what kind of movie am I really watching here? It's a shame because everything that kind of promoted this movie, the trailers, the, just everything about it speaks to serious, intense drama and thrilling action. And that's pretty much what I was hoping for. And uh, it's a real mixed bag, which is, it's just not, it's unfortunate, you know? I feel like someone who's operating at the level that Michael Bay is with so much experience, so much action experience, so much, just so much filmmaking experience. I get it that you got to find a different angle. Sometimes you got to find a new way to come at this idea or just a new way to shoot something. You know, there's a lot of cool drone work in this film, you know, the high speed drones that, that are getting into places and doing things that a, a camera or camera operator can't do. And so that's cool. That's pushing the form. It's really showing us things in, in ways that we've never seen before. And I'm all about that. I'm I'm down for that. The problem is, you know, you, you, you're, you're diluting it. You just, you, you're kind of ruining it with this other garbage that's getting thrown into the mix. So, you know, this is one that if you're just a pure Michael Bay fan, Hey man, uh, cool. Good for you. This might be right up your alley. If you like action movies, there's going to be probably some stuff in here you're going to find cool and be, you know, pretty interested in. Um, if you're coming into this as maybe a fan of the actors or, you know, the the acting pedigree that's on board here, uh, you're going to re- get really let down, I think. And so, you know, this is just, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's a real big missed opportunity. And, for me, it's a pass. I, I, I probably will watch it again at some point just to see if like, maybe I just didn't understand. I just didn't read it right. You know, I, I kind of, maybe I was in a good place when I watched it. It was a little while ago. had a lot of other things going on. Maybe I wasn't really into it, you know, but on first glance, first watch, which is a fair assessment, I think that's a pass. So, all right, let's move on. Let's keep this thing moving, all right? Next one is what I guess is turning out to be a pretty big deal. This is number 124 on Film Streak, Top Gun Maverick. All right, so I'm <laughs> so look. This is a really interesting one to me. Top Gun Maverick was a movie that uh I really enjoyed on a few different levels, but Seeing it in the theater, seeing it with an audience, and seeing it in a presentation that you really can't deny. This is the kind of film that theaters are made for, right? So with that in mind, I get it. I totally understand why this has become basically the biggest film of the year. And yet, you know, there are some, if if you want to nitpick, there are things about the film that don't really work or don't maybe add up, but generally, you know, it, it's a great time. It's actually got some dramatic weight to it that I wasn't really expecting, especially out of a Top Gun movie. I I just figured that this is just going to be a a little bit of a rerun of the original movie, 
But then they really did some different things here. They really tried to bring us along, catch us up to where the hell is Pete Mitchell these days? What happened to him? You know, he's not obviously the same guy that he was back then. He's grown. He's older. He's, in a way, bordering on obsolete. And it's interesting that he has to find a new way back into this world and a way to prove himself and to stay on top and get the job done. And in a way, you look at it as like, this is a little bit of what Tom Cruise has to do. The person himself, the the man that is making this movie, this is a little bit of his own personal mission. He's got to stay on top. And, you know, as one of the last great, like true movie stars that we have, I think, um, he's doing a pretty damn good job, I think. Now, if you're a fan of the original movie, you'll see a lot of things in here, and I'm sure it's all been dissected and discussed and broken down in all kinds of ways. There's so many different little touches that that really remind you or take you back to the original film. Um, And yet, I think it's also interesting to point out that this film is, it's a story, it's, it's, thematically i feel like it's it's looking forward which is a big important thing some of these movies that uh their sequels their reboots whatever they do a lot of looking back and almost to the point where as an audience member i feel like well i can just go watch the original movie if i just wanted to relive the past and here we do enough looking forward where we could expect that if there were somehow ever a sequel to this, a Top Gun 3, let's say, it might not have Pete Mitchell in it. We might move on with a new a new lead character or a new story even. I, I mean, that's just it's one way to go with it, right? And yet so many of the movies that come out, a couple of them I'm going to talk about in a little bit, I feel like you can't really go anywhere else other than stay with these same characters and kind of rehash the same story. So I thought this was really interesting. Like I said, on a few different levels, I mean, just the fact that Val Kimmer's in the movie and it's a very kind of touching, very somber arc that he has, uh, his character in, in terms of the different course that he took compared to Pete Mitchell, you know, Kazansky, Iceman, He went a whole different route in life and ended up in a much higher position, but ultimately, you know, suffered from an entirely different fate also. And it's interesting because it also mirrors the real life sort of career paths of Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise, right? These guys were, they were contemporaries in in the original movie and they went on to very, very different careers. Successful in their own ways, in their own rights, but just ultimately the paths that they ended up on were totally different. And so I thought it was a nice acknowledgement of that. As you can start with someone at the same place or in the same point in life, but life takes you in different directions. I I just think, uh, I don't know. It's a great movie. I can't wait to watch it again, actually. You know, years down the road, People are going to look back and they're going to think, wow, I should have seen this in the theater. And if the opportunity ever arises, people should and probably will go see it in theater if they didn't before. Or even if they did. I know I probably would. 
If it's ever, you know, five, 10 years from now, they somehow rerun this in a theater anniversary or whatever, man, that would be a show to catch because that's really the only way to see this film. And I feel like, uh, you know, maybe it's a statement also on where films are, that this is such a success at the box office, in theaters. And yet there are a lot of other films that uh, they almost don't, they don't require or they don't even deserve that level of presentation. And, you know, in a way I could even look at it as that this could be the demarcation line where, you know, this year, let's say, not necessarily this film, but this year where movies that don't really need that kind of exhibition, that kind of presentation, you'll never see them in theaters. You only see them on streaming or, or home video somehow. But movies like this that really absolutely require it, yeah, that you're only going to be able to see in a theater. So keep that in mind. Just watch. That might end up happening. And it might be a good thing. It's going to be a little tough for Hollywood and you know the filmmakers and all that to really digest, I think, is such a shift. But I bet you that's where we're going. Anyway, that is 124. That is Top Gun Maverick. All right. So 125 now on Film Streak. This is Jurassic World Dominion. Another release from this year. The sixth installment in the Jurassic World franchise. Um, what I think a few years ago would have been the most anticipated movie in, of the year. But the way things have gone, both situation across the world, but also other things happening in the film world. This, ah, man, th this whole thing, this Jurassic world thing, Jurassic park, whatever it's, it's done, right? It's just run out of steam. This is a movie that I feel like, uh, like I said, just a while ago, this did more looking back than looking forward. I really thought that at the end of Jurassic World, uh, well, what was the last one? Fallen Kingdom? Kingdom on Fire? World on Fire? I don't know. Whatever it was. At the end of that, they let all the dinosaurs loose into the world, right? Into nature, into the forest or whatever the hell. And I really thought, oh, here we go. Now we get the world that we were always afraid of happening. Dinosaurs among us. You know, that was the big, that was the elephant in the room with all of the other earlier movies, right? Oh, the dinosaurs, we got them on an island. We got to make sure they're contained. It's mentioned if they ever get off the island, they won't survive. So it's already there. The seed is planted. That's in the very first movie. The second movie, oh, they're on another island. Oh, oh, that was a, a backup lab or, or research island or whatever. Okay. But that means, Dinosaurs can get other places. All right. You know, the, the one moment in, in what Lost World, the second movie, when they, the T-Rex comes to San Diego or wherever, you really think, oh, here we go. This is it. But it's one dinosaur. And we fast forward to Jurassic World. Uh, you know, part of it was, uh, it was the novelty factor of, oh, we're going back to this but we're going to do it bigger and we're going to see people kind of make similar or the actual very same mistakes that they made in the original movie. Oh, 
re- history repeats itself. Oh, we're all doomed to, you know, fail and repeat the past and all that. Okay. Well, I really thought we're going to do something different. And when that did happen, where dinosaurs got into the world, uh, you know, to me, that was like, uh, oh, okay, we're going there now. We're not playing. We're not bringing one dinosaur to San Diego. We're taking them all everywhere. And to me, that said, okay, the next movie, whatever that's called, is going to be some real off-the-wall Mad Max dinosaurs in the desert kind of shit. And that didn't really work out, did it? Because it just became another another repeat. It's like, wait, we got the dinosaurs out in the world. They're trained them in the black markets. Somehow they're trained to like hone in on a single person, like a missile, because somebody figured out how to use a laser pointer. I, I just really felt like this stretched so much of what made Jurassic Park and the concept like scientifically somewhat feasible, you know, it was already a stretch that we could revive dinosaurs somehow. Like that was some new scientific genetic magic that we couldn't really explain, but we felt like it was close enough to be impossible that, Oh yeah, this, this could really happen. But here, uh, you know, we've gone so far off the deep end now that who knows if any of this could even happen at this point. And I just felt like it was all over the place again that we've got characters returning from the previous two movies and then we've got characters returning from the original movies, the Jurassic Park series, and they're all in different places doing different things. So we're watching like two, three, uh, three different storylines, I think. Very little of it results in anything that's truly like suspenseful or thrilling. It's more of just kind of watching things happen. And so, you know, I, I appreciate that they at least tried to round this out, tried to like finish the franchise, I guess. I feel like this is like the end of it. But at the same time, I just wish it, it, this one feels like another missed opportunity. This could have been a very different kind of film telling a very different type of story. You know, the fact that it's also commenting on like this, uh, you know, the genetic, uh, you know, tampering or like corporate influence or, you know, all this kind of other stuff. Just we lost everything that made Jurassic Park and that world uh, either thrilling or magical or intriguing. And so to that end, I, I, this is a pass for me, you know, I, I did watch. So on Peacock, they released a, a streaming version of Jurassic world dominion, and they released an extended version of it, which I guess it has a few things reinserted back into the film or, or inserted that were never released in theaters. And I think it even kind of recut a couple of small things. Um, I can't say that really changes the film and makes it better. 
it does help explain a couple of things that didn't make sense in a theatrical cut, but it doesn't necessarily help it. So I just feel like, you know, something like that, sometimes that does work. There are films that you see the director's cut or you see the extended version or whatever. You get a richer sense of the world, of the story, of the characters and their motivation. You know, it it helps immerse you in it a little more, at least. But this one, I almost couldn't really tell where the new stuff was. It all was either inconsequential or felt like, well, yeah, this should have been in the film in the first place. Why was it cut? Because when you just show me some people that are trying to kidnap this girl and you don't explain who they are, I don't really pay attention to it anyway. So having the scene that explains who they are, that just feels like I should have known that any, I should have known that in the first place. This movie is so just um, unnecessary, really. We could have left it open-ended. Like, okay, dinosaurs are just out in the world. Now you go make up your own story in your own head. Okay, cool. This was not the story I would have made up, though. I just, no. It wouldn't have been it. So that's 125. That's Jurassic World Dominion. That's a pass for me. Uh, If you're a fan of the series, again, you might want to check it out. But uh, if you just haven't kept up with them, maybe you saw the first one a long time ago. Um, I, I, I would just leave it at that. Just watch the first one and be happy that that's something that exists in the world. All right. So let's keep it moving here. Film streak is on the move again. All right. So 126 now, this is the contractor. And this is a film that, um, I had heard about this and for some reason, you know, it interested me because I feel like Chris Pine's kind of been absent for a little while, it seems like. And so when I saw this film come out, I really thought, um, oh, yeah, Chris Pine's still a guy in the world. I want to see him and stuff. This was an interesting film. And, you know, I can't say it doesn't have its problems. It even has some weird uh, editing and cinematography issues than I wouldn't have expected. But the story itself is actually, it's actually somewhat interesting. You know, the fact that it's, it's, I guess, given us a little bit of a a commentary or it's tackling the subject of, you know, what is this world really like? And what is, what does it mean? Where are the lines when it comes to these private military contractors and what they do and where their limits are? And so, you know, the way this film plays out, it's a little bit Jason Bourne, you know, there's a little bit like world trotting, um, intrigue and espionage ish kind of stuff, but also with some pretty hardcore action and, uh, you know, just real suspenseful stuff going on. And at the same time, it's also playing on like, what does it, what does a man have to do to just take care of himself and take care of his family when he's done so much for his country and there are no opportunities for him? Right. So I feel like those are a couple of different threads that we really hadn't seen put together. And so here in the contractor, I thought this is actually a, 
a pretty smart, pretty efficient way to get to this. But, you know, Ben Foster is another actor in here that uh, is a character that brings him into this world of the PMC life and what that means and, and what all, you know, the benefits he can get out of it. And they have a really interesting dynamic where they have to, they really have to rely on each other. They have to save each other. And so you get like the sense that there's a bond there. There's a history there. And that's, that's pretty good. That's solid, you know, performance, I think solid writing. Um, Kayford Sutherland is even in this as a little bit of a, like, you're not really sure. He's a little shady. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? How much reach does he have? You know? And uh, the end, the the showdown that kind of happens between some of these characters, it's, it's actually pretty intense, you know? So um, I'm going to give this one actually a recommendation. I, I like this. I would watch this again just to see if uh, there's more stuff in here that I didn't really pick up on. But overall, just at a first glance, I enjoyed it. And so I'd recommend it for sure. So that's The Contractor. That's 126 on Film Streak. And now we keep it moving. These next two movies, I'm going to just do these back to back. I'm going to do them back to back. That's how I do films. What am I talking about? What I'm saying is I'm doing them back to back because I feel like they kind of go together in a way. And this is 127, Thor, Love and Thunder. And 128, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And the reason I'm kind of talking about these together is because basically you have to kind of see them together. And I don't mean that you see with some things that relate to the other. They don't kind of cross over that way. But I'm talking about them together because they're both, you know, part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And they are the, the next two in line, the next two that have been released. And a long line here of this what phase four or whatever we're on now of Marvel cinematic universe that uh, has really just given us a lot of not very good films. And some of those, you know, or all of those were before I started film streaks. I didn't really talk about them here, but you know, we talk about black widow. We talk about Shang-Chi. We talk about the eternals. You know, the only one that really popped that really worked, I feel like was Spider-Man uh, was it no way home? Right. So that I think has a lot of other elements, a lot of other baggage, let's say a lot of other history, I guess that really made that one work. You know, so many different characters are in the mix on that, that it was hard for that movie to not work on some level. The fact that it just like excelled, just like rose to the top, like one of the best, Maybe the best Spider-Man movie. That says a lot. These two movies, Thor, Love and Thunder, and Doctor Strange and the whatever, whatever. They're now playing on everything that's come in the previous movies. But some of it is history you care about. Some of it is baggage that you'd rather just kind of not remember. And yet, if you're trying to keep up with this growing... Marvel Universe, uh, you almost feel like you have to watch these because you might miss something that's going to be important later on. Well, Black Widow showed us no. Shang-Chi showed us not really. And the Eternals, 
I, I feel like that almost wasn't even a Marvel movie because none of that has come to mean anything since it came out, right? So Spider-Man No Way Home, that introduced the idea of like, oh, there's different universes, there's different things going on in the cosmos, whatever, whatever. Thor Love and Thunder really kind of seems to just ignore all that. You know, it's kind of doing its own thing. It's on its own wavelength over there, which I get it because Thor Ragnarok was, I thought it was pretty great. It was fun. It was playful. It really changed what I think people were expecting from Thor and those series of movies, which is good because the second one was boring as shit. But also, it's more about the tone of it. You know, this, this tone is something that I think is just overall is a gradual change with all of these Marvel movies. They're becoming less serious. And, and even by doing that, they're becoming less grounded, which can be a problem. But this one knows where it is and it's just going to lean into it, just going that way, which, hey, fine, cool. Now, the fact that it also plays on some elements of, uh, you know, nostalgia and things that have come before and even like things like regret and, you know, decisions that have been made in the past. Even the concepts or the themes of like parenthood or childhood or, you know, what does it mean to be a partner? What does it mean to be you know, all these other themes that I, I feel like there's some of this stuff that always kind of creeps in with Marvel stuff. That's that's kind of the magic. They make this big, you know, world building universe of films that just show us all the spectacle. But there are little nuggets of truth and of 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 wisdom and of insight in, all throughout these films in some way or another. Some of them are more meaningful than others. But this one really did a, a, an interesting thing that I wasn't ready for. I figured, okay, it's going to be a similar tone. Still Taika Waititi is doing this, that did Thor Ragnarok. It's going to be very similar, I, I assume. But this really took a different approach. I mean, to me, I could feel like this was the filmmakers growing the character and growing the franchise itself. Uh, it, it, it's like becoming more mature, you know? You know, Thor becomes more understanding of what it means to be a parent or more appreciative of what it means to be a partner. And those are all good things to have your character go through. It's just weird that it's taken four movies for it to happen. But, hey, it took Tony Stark a while, too, right? So it's a good track, I think. I feel like it's a good place to be for this character. You know, the only problem is I just feel like the movie, it's... It's one of those that it doesn't feel as consequential. It doesn't feel like it's going to mean as much as we get further down the road here. And it's yet to be seen. It might change. You know, we might, whatever the next movie that comes out is, I don't even know at this point. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Maybe that's a different animal, you know? It's one that... Uh, I really wasn't sure what to expect of this movie. I thought, oh, this is going to open it up now. This is really going to crack the the whole you know world apart and show us a whole new side of things. And it does do that. 
it does really lean into the multiverse theme, showing us different realities, showing us different versions of characters, showing us different outcomes. And yet I just feel like by doing this also, we're we're getting into a place where you cannot miss any of these movies now. Because I feel like if you watch this, but you didn't see Spider-Man No Way Home, you might or might not quite understand what's going on here. You know, maybe that's part of it with this film or films in this franchise, this overall thing is you want people to be fully entrenched. Like you don't want to lose people and have them miss a single film. And so the... The compelling nature of having to see every single one and keep up with all the characters and all the storylines, that just kind of makes it, it, it's a self-fulfilling thing. It's always going to be something that you've got a captive audience now. And, you know, as someone who's watching films from all different types of filmmakers, all different types of genres, all different types of stories, this just feels like uh, it's becoming a, a walled garden. Like I, I can be comfortable in here. I know what I'm going to get in terms of the types of films, the types of stories, the types of characters even. But uh, I, I, I'm not going to necessarily get more than that. Now, this, this might be the turning point. Maybe this will change some things and it will allow some of the stuff to get more, I don't know, like experimental or more um, abstract in a way. Because now it's like you're really opening up the possibilities. But I feel like actually, you know, when you think about it, like Marvel is doing that stuff, but they're doing it in the TV series. You know, things like WandaVision or... um you know, something like Loki or even now, right now, She-Hulk is on and that is switching up the form so much. Like it doesn't feel like anything Marvel has done before. Uh, I just feel like that's where they're really finding the the room to stretch out and try different things. Films are going to kind of still be in their own box. And I don't know that it's really going to break out. Now, like I said, this might be the one that really opens that up. Because we've seen we've seen hints and possibilities of other characters and other, you know, previous like the X-Men franchise or Fantastic Four, all those things start to roll into what it is now. If that happens, oh, that'd be great. That'd be great for fans. But uh you've really gotta go all the way back to really follow and understand so much of this now. I I can't imagine being someone who's just getting into the Marvel films and trying to understand every single thing that's going on. I I don't know how that would really work. So, you know, to me, these are both recommendations in the sense that I think they're, they're enjoyable and they've got some interesting, um, some interesting thematic things going on in them. But, uh, but again, it's, it's, I feel like it's for a limited audience, you know, if you're just kind of casually looking for something to watch and you see Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness, you may watch like the trailer or a clip of it. And you may realize like, I don't know what this, I don't know what anything that's going on in this movie. 
and you may turn away. So with that, that's this episode of Homestreak. And uh, it feels good to do this again to try to get a little bit more regular schedule. So thanks for listening. Thanks for checking this out. Thanks for following along if you are. Um, you know, if this is maybe opening you up to some new films that you hadn't seen before, or or you know what? If you have seen some of these films, uh, whether it's these in this episode or in a previous episode, and maybe you have some thoughts about it, I'd be interested to hear that. So I actually opened up a uh, uh, an inbox, an email address. So send me that. Send me your thoughts. Hey, man, you were all wrong on this. You didn't really understand what was going on in Ambulance. You can send that to comments at filmstreak.com. You can do that. If it's something interesting, maybe you've got a different take on a movie. Maybe you got a suggestion for something in the future. I could tell you if I've seen it or not. And maybe if I haven't, we'll put it on here. We'll do uh, a little bit of a discussion on it. So comments at filmstreak.com. And until then, my name is Rob. Take it easy.